I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. I'm Big Douglas. That's the rapper Big Pooh. And from NBC Sports Washington, our Wizards insider Chase Hughes joins the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, man. It's uh, been a while. It has been. This is uh, your second visit to the show. And as my mom says, if they're willing to come back, you must not have stunk the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She would never say something like uh, stunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It's a uh, it's a five game winning streak chase. Uh, I think I saw the first time since 2018, and and I gotta say, Rui Hachimura is playing defense uh, in a way that surprised me a little bit. Does it surprise you? Well, it does in a way because uh, defense hasn't exactly been his strong suit. Uh, you know, it wasn't his calling card in college, even though he played for a good program in Gonzaga. He's been an offensive-minded guy and a guy who stepped on an NBA court giving you 13, 14 points a night. So he's been impressive on that end of the floor. Of course, you'd like him to be a little bit more efficient. But I didn't think it would happen this early, you know, especially for a guy who, like I said, is more of a scorer to figure out the defensive end like he has uh, has been impressive. But I will say it's, it's, a, it's a positive sign for me in a very specific way because when he came out of the draft, um, on draft night, Chauncey Billups compared him to Kawhi Leonard. And a lot of people have compared him to Kawhi Leonard because the, you know, the physical attributes are similar. But you can't compare someone to Kawhi Leonard unless they play defense. You're talking about the claw, a guy who's a multiple-time defensive player of the year, uh, one of the best wing defenders of all time. So now Rui is, is starting to back up those comparisons other than you know just having broad shoulders and hitting mid-range jumpers like Kawhi Leonard can. you got to be able to play defense, and he's been backing that up so far. Chase, can you speak to the defensive prowess of the team in general these last, obviously, five games, but a little bit before that, probably like the last eight to ten games where they've stepped up defensively? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty shocking. I think it was right before this I sent out a tweet and I was like, you know, I don't think the Wizards have the defensive personnel to turn their season around. Like, it might be time to make some trades. Like, you got offense, why don't you trade some offense for some defense? And they've done it with the guys that they have, which has just been so surprising I mean, it's now 11 games, uh, the sample size really, where their defense has been improved. And they're top seven in defensive rating. And this is a team that just last year had the second worst defensive rating in NBA history. So they have not just been bad defensively. They've been historically bad. But all of a sudden, they've turned things around. And, um, you know, I think it's been a collective uh, effort. Rui Hachimura has probably been um, the guy who's highlighted it the most. Um, but they've done a really good job of protecting the paint. Uh, they've limited uh, fast break points. Uh, they've got one of the best opponent field goal percentages during this span. I think they're doing a lot better uh, just closing out shots, closing out on the three-point line. Um, and they've made adjustments to their rotation where there's a lot more flexibility. And I think Scott Brooks has basically uh, set up a system where, you know, he rewards the guys who give the best effort defensively. There's no real guaranteed roles in that rotation outside of the top guys. And I think people have responded to that. And you saw the other night, like, you know, okay, they're not defending the three-point line. Well, let's try Isak Bonga in there, or let's put Rui at the five. And I think they've really embraced that, where there's no egos and no, no set roles from night to night. It looks like, and I guess I didn't realize exactly how far off Westbrook was 
but he's looking healthier every day. I'd say the explosion from rim to rim looks right. It doesn't look like he's getting off the floor like he used to. Is that fair or is he still not healthy all the way? Yeah, that still hasn't come back to him. You know, you saw it in that Lakers game. He missed a couple layups right at the rim, um, the ones that he would usually dunk. I mean, he was just wide open. And, you know, if you watch him with the Rockets last year, uh, he led the NBA in drives per game. So he was getting to the rim. He was shooting a pretty good percentage on those plays. And if you actually watch him when he played for the Rockets, you know, midseason, he was reaching way back and throwing down big dunks. And we haven't seen him do that at all this year. I mean, the other night we saw him throw down um, a putback slam. It was on a play that didn't count. It was after uh, the whistle. And I thought that was a sign, okay, well, maybe he's getting his lift back. But we haven't really seen it in games. And if he gets that back, then you'll know that Russell Westbrook is 100% Russell Westbrook. But in terms of the production, I think we're seeing it, you know, regardless of whether he's dunking. You know, he's starting to score more efficiently. Uh, he's getting a lot of rebounds. I think he's been a huge upgrade defensively from what they had last year at the point guard position. Not saying he's an all-defense guy, but, you know, the bar wasn't very high that they set last year with Isaiah Thomas and, and guys like that. So um, when he plays under control and he doesn't turn the ball over like he has a tendency to do, particularly in the first half, uh, this team is a much better team. And we've seen that in the second half. He just comes out of halftime playing um, under much more control, and, and it's allowed them to come back in a lot of games. Chase, can you speak to Westbrook's leadership this season? I've been reading a lot how players are saying, you know, Westbrook has changed their mentality or, or you know, put them help put them in proper position or places. And he was one of the people after Rui suggested he could guard one through five that, you know, he kind of challenged them on it. Can you just speak to his leadership so far this season and how the other players are really responding to him? Well, it's kind of evolved because, you know, we heard – all about that going into training camp from uh, Scott Brooks and uh, Tommy Shepard. And then even Paul George was on, um, I think it was the All the Smoke uh, podcast, uh, talking about how he contributed to his best year. Um, and it was because he sets a tone on the, on the floor with his mentality and his competitive fire. But we hadn't really seen that because, I think, because of the injury. And then it was like John Wall talked trash to him and it woke him up. And ever since he's been a different guy and then he got healthier. And now we're seeing what they say is like, okay, you know, his energy on the floor is contagious, but also his vocal leadership. Now that he's playing better, I would imagine the message is, is now being heard more uh, by the younger players. But yeah, what you're referencing to is, uh, you know, apparently a couple of weeks ago, they had a practice, one of their rare practices, um, where they had a team meeting before the practice. And it sounds like Russell Westbrook asked a lot of the guys uh, to speak in front of the group and define their roles. And, you know, he had told Rui in training camp, um, you know, you're the only guy on this team that can guard one through five. And when the, when the, it came around to Rui in that meeting, he said, you know, I can guard one through five. And Bradley Beal has said that, you know, okay, he said this twice. Um, okay. You said that we're going to hold you to that standard. And over the last few weeks, he's been the versatile defender that they've thought he could be, you know, he was switching out to Damian Lillard on the perimeter and held him over for four, um, you know, on the, from the field. And then he was defending LeBron pretty well. I mean, LeBron had 31 points, but him and Denny Avdia, uh, helped him uh, contribute to six, have six turnovers in the second half. Um, so Rui is really living up to the hype defensively. And, and it sounds like uh, Russell Westbrook might've lit a fire under him. Now, in fairness, that uh, Lakers team was without Schroeder and without Anthony Davis, but the only play who's ahead of you, let's talk about who's ahead. They'll have the Clippers tonight, which will be a different deal than the Lakers. What we got to do to pull a win out tonight, Chase? 
Well, yeah, it's a different deal because they're healthy and they uh, have arguably been better so far this year. I know the the, the records are similar, uh, but they've been a much better offensive team than the Lakers. You know, they're top six in points scored and points allowed. Um, they're the best three-point shooting team in the NBA, shooting 42% from three as a team, which is ridiculous. I mean, Paul George is shooting 47% from three on like seven attempts on his own. Kawhi Leonard's playing well. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be the toughest test that the Wizards have had so far in this streak. And they've played some really good teams. I mean, it's not just that they've won five straight games. And you could, you know, point to teams and the players that they were missing, but it started with the Celtics. They beat Denver. I know Houston was missing a lot of players, but that was, um, you know, you had a motivated John Wall uh, in that game. Uh, you know, beat, you beat the Blazers who had won six straight. Uh, you beat the Lakers. I know they were missing some key guys, but uh, it's still Lakers. They're still a really good defensive team in particular. This is the most complete best team that you've faced so far, maybe so far this entire season. Um, so it's going to be tough. And the thing I'm going to look for is uh, Bradley Beal last year only averaged 21 points and shot 32% against the Clippers. Uh, of the teams he faced multiple times, those were, those were the lowest numbers in each of those categories because they've got really good wing defenders, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, also um, Pat Beverly. So um, I think Bradley Beal is going to have a, a better chance to score against them this year because he's better as a scorer this season and he has more help now with Russell Westbrook playing really well. So if they can continue to play defensively and Bradley Beal can have more success offensively, then I think they have a shot. Chase, who do you see or what do you see the Wizards doing uh, this year as far as the trade deadline or, you know, they have that $4.6 million exception for uh, uh, TB's injury. Do you see them on the buyout market or, you know, doing anything, even if it's around the fringes during the trade deadline? Well, that's a really interesting question, because if you asked me a few weeks ago, my answer would have been very different. As I uh, alluded to earlier, I would have said they should trade for some defense. But if they can sustain this defense over the next, you know, two weeks or something, and then you're a couple weeks away from that March 25th trade deadline, then maybe you look for something else. Uh, you know, maybe you look for some shooting. Because Thomas Bryant, when you remove him from this lineup, I think that's the thing that, that now that the dust has settled, you realize that you miss the most. They've got enough depth to replace some of the things that Thomas Bryant does. There's no replacing his three-point shooting. I mean, he is a very accurate three-point shooter at the center position, above 40%. You know, gives you about – gives you that rate. Did, did we uh, did Chase freeze on us? Yeah, I, I thought that was me. <laughs> no, <you're good. laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Chase froze on us. That's all right. Uh, well, we'll chat until we get him back. The uh, you know, it's interesting. He said that they were talking about Porzingis uh, being available for a trade from Dallas, and I wonder if the Wizards will be in on that at all. Because I I thought the same thing that Chase said. Uh, Thomas Bryant, I was amazed at how much they miss him. Yeah, on the offensive end, definitely. Um, reliable hands, uh, with reliable hands, caught the rim, high pursuit, high, shooting a high percentage around the rim. But uh, defensively, I think they're better with the guys that replaced them. But I think offensively, that spacing that he provided. Um, and then watching Robin Lopez playing his heart out, but on the offensive end, fumbling the ball, and every time they they Robin bounce Lopez. pass, or 
you know, missing bunnies around the rim. Like, I was like, come on, Robin. (laughs) (laughs) It was painful watching him on switches. I know he's giving it all he's got, but cool. Yeah, so I I, I think uh, offensively, definitely, you can tell the spacing is different from uh, when TB is in there versus Robin or I think Alex Lynn actually does a pretty decent job, but he's limited mobility. Uh, and then um, what's his name? Mo Wagner. You know, he's he energy. He, he come in with his burst of energy. And if he's not playing well, as you can see, they just sit him down, sit him back down for yeah. the majority of the I game. Th- I, think I, I think I saw maybe it was Quentin Mayo on Twitter had said that since uh, Wagner and uh, Matthews in the game, they haven't lost yet. No, nah, they five and zero with them in the lineup. Regardless of how many minutes they play, <laughs> they're yeah. five and zero with them in the lineup, which is pretty. I just think it's the effort that they give that they help. Instead of bringing it off the bench later, when when you start the game with that effort versus trying to you know insert that effort later, I just, I think that's a big difference. So, and there's motivation for you know the other people that were starting to to come in and play better than where they were playing. Chase, I was asking Big Pooh maybe uh, if uh, there's a certain team down in Dallas that is trading a big man that can shoot, or at least, or at least shopping a big man that can shoot. Are you interested in Porzingis? You know, that's uh, it's funny you ask that. Sorry, my uh, Wi-Fi must have dropped out. By the way, yeah, fun. But um, it's interesting you asked that because I wanted to look up his contract because obviously that's important uh, when you're a team like the Wizards that have a bunch of money committed and. You know, it doesn't look too terrible now that I'm looking at its high 20s. It goes into the 30s. Um, You know, what I would uh, be worried about with him is I don't know if you guys have seen him play this year defensively, but he's not as mobile as he used to be. Um, You know, he had that ACL injury and it's 7-3. You know, he's still a really good player, but he's not protecting the rim like he did at his peak. Um, But, you know, I like Kristaps Porzingis. If you feel like he's healthy, um, I I would trade for him in a heartbeat, especially if you could buy low. Um, because he's the type of guy that, first of all, is a unicorn in an era where those guys are, you know, sort of in vogue. And also, he just does everything well. I mean, he can shoot, he can block shots, he can rebound, he can sometimes beat you off the dribble, even from the perimeter. So I love Porzingis. I think he, um, I think he's a, a legitimate star in the league. And if you put him on the floor and he, he can protect the rim, then maybe you could go from this, you know, short stretch of good defense to actually having one of the better defenses in the NBA. I think that would be my my thing is his health. The last few years, he's really been hit by the injury bug, and that seems to be the cause of, you know, his limited defensive prowess uh, this season. So that would definitely be, you know, give me a little pause because that's it's not a bad contract if he's healthy, but if he isn't healthy, you know, that's that's a that's an anchor on your team at that mm-hmm. point. Chase, what is the outlook on Thomas Bryant? We were talking uh, just a second ago. I was stunned at how much they missed his production and, and how much they had planned on relying on him this season. Right. Yeah. I mean, they planned on relying on him a lot. I mean, you know, we heard the story from Tommy Shepard that in free agency, they told a lot of big men that they talked to, you know, you're only, you're only signing with us to be a backup um, because Thomas Bryant's our starter. And I thought that was uh, an interesting um, approach Um, You know, who knows if that's specifically what they actually told some guys or if, you know, maybe they realized that some of the top players that they wanted weren't interested. I don't know, but it certainly showed a lot of confidence in him. 
And I think it's the three-point shooting that they've missed the most. You know, when he went out, I, I like Thomas Bryant a lot as a player. I like his trajectory. I think he could be a good defensive player. But at the end of the day, he anchored last year one of the worst defenses in NBA history. And he's not a great rebounder at his position. So if you were able to upgrade uh, or, or find a ways to improve your team, that would be the place to do it. You know, maybe with Robin Lopez in there and, you know, now Alex Lynn and Mo Wagner. Um, it's, I'm not saying you upgraded a lot or you improved a lot, but, you know, you got to find ways that you can add something that you didn't have and just not try to replace Thomas Bryant and what he is. And what he is is one of the most accurate three-point shooters for a center in the NBA and literally one of the most efficient players in the NBA. I mean, he led the league in field goal percentage two years ago, set a franchise record. He's incredibly efficient around the rim and be, was becoming a better screen setter and, you know, getting better at rolling to the rim. You're just not going to be able to replace that. Even though Mo Wagner, he kind of reminds us of him sometimes. You can't replace that, that type of stuff. So I think the Wizards have done a smart thing by understanding they can't replace his offense and try to go more towards defense and rebounding. Chase, do you see the Wizards having a, a, a let's see, a, a conundrum coming up? Uh, I know it's far in the future, but this offseason, they picked up Troy Brown Jr.'s fifth-year option, but he's clearly out of the rotation. They declined Mo Wagner's. He's back in the rotation. And then they two-way Garrison Matthews when I felt they should have offered him some type of, you know, regular contract. Do you see an issue coming up later with all these different moving pieces? Well, I think with Garrison Matthews, um, you know, at some point they're going to have to probably think about giving him an NBA deal. Uh, and, you know, he's the guy that Tommy Shepard. And then that shaky over there. <laughs> they're going to have to pay Garrison Matthews. <laughs> no, they're definitely gonna have to pay Garrison. He's gonna have to get paid, uh, and they got to do it quickly. Right, and maybe Davis was just not in shape, but I mean, he didn't look like the guy that everybody said you had to have last year either. So far, no. Um, I, not being in shape. I mean, I, I understand not being in shape, but he has looked like a shell of what he was last season, and that's except for that one game. That one right. game he exploded, but other than that, I mean, he the last two games he's hit he's hit some timely, you know, three pointers when they really needed it. But he's definitely looked like a shell of himself, and that looked like a gross overpay so far this season. It's interesting if we get Chase back, I'll ask him. I, I know he was real big on Avdia, and was super pumped when he fell to us there. I'm curious what they hope the roster will look like by the end of the season. If, if, uh, if it's Rui at the four and him at the three, if they end up with Rui at the five and Avdi at the four, uh, I'm curious how small they're willing to get this year. That's for you, Chase. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. I don't know if it's my Wi-Fi or not. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Avdia, the Wizards were really high on him in the draft. And, you know, I wrote a story about how they tried to trade up for him. You know, they tried to go up to the number four pick with the Chicago Bulls and the price was just too high. And then when he fell, they were certain that he was going to go to the New York Knicks at eight. And then they were completely shocked when he fell to them at nine. So they really liked Denny Avdia. You know, I, I thought I wasn't as high on him in the draft as a lot of other people. 
some other people said he, you know, some mock drafts had him as like a top three or four prospect. I thought he was more like seven or eight. So I'm going to ninth. I thought was pretty appropriate. I, th- I had Tyrese Halliburton is a higher rated prospect uh, than him, for instance. Um, and Halliburton's been really good. Um, but I think they, they're happy with, with Abdi and what he's shown so far. And he's really young. I mean, he just turned 20 last month. Um, you know, he's sort of still trying to find his, his niche in the NBA and find consistency as a lot of guys his age uh, have to do. But you can see the long-term upside. I mean, at 6'9", his speed and his control with the ball in his hands in transition and his vision on the floor, I think is really special for a, a player his age and a, a guy who's the size of a power forward. So I think they need to figure out how to continue to tap into that. Um, right now they have him as kind of a spot-up shooter and, you know, a secondary passer in the half court. And he's been pretty good at that. He's been pretty good defensively too. I mean, he got some stops on LeBron the other night, which I thought was uh, really impressive. Um, but I think to tap into his potential, they need to get him in space with the ball in his hands. Chase, um, two weeks ago, it was short thing. Scott Brooks wasn't going to be back. Now with this five game winning streak, if they, you know, keep this momentum obviously they're not going to win out the rest of the season but if they keep this momentum this other trajectory do you see him getting some type of an extension at the end of this year and we gone again <laughs> it's interesting uh yeah i have a feeling yeah. scott brooks is going to get a two-year extension I have a feeling it's going to happen in the middle of the night, like they did with Ernie Grunfeld a few more than a few seasons back, where he just popped up with an extension out of nowhere. I just I have a sneaky suspicion that's going to happen. It'll probably be determined on how much they're in love with Tommy Shepard, right? More than likely, yeah. Like if they if they somehow get Isai Majeri, let's say from. Canada, then you're probably letting him make the decisions on who the coaches are. So then you have to figure out how quickly you're getting that guy into the building. But you're right. He, he was, he was definitely gone just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. You can jump in Chase. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think it might be zoom because my Wi-Fi is not going out. Um, but yeah, Scott, Scott Brooks, I mean, as far as his future beyond this season, I, I think, we still have to wait and see, uh, you know, obviously they got off to an underwhelming start and the Wizards stuck with him and showed some patience. I think the reason why they did um, is because they, they felt like they had enough to turn their season around and felt like he was the best option on that bench to do that. If they got rid of him and, and promoted someone with less experience, I think they thought the odds of turning their season around would have been lower. And then also they understood that, you know, Russell Westbrook was hurt to begin the season. Then they had the COVID outbreak that not only affected them by having six games postponed and them not play for 13 days, but clearly in the weeks after that guys were still working their way back into shape. So I think the record they feel does not represent the job that Scott Brooks has done, you know, much to the dismay of a lot of fans out there who wanted him fired. um, I think the wizards decided to show some patience and right now it looks like it's paying off. Now we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Bertans has not necessarily been the guy that everybody was clamoring as a must sign what is that because he wasn't in shape what's going on there well to start the season he wasn't in shape and I think that was much less excusable than what has happened to him in recent weeks which was 
he had COVID-19. He was one of the guys who tested positive and was one of the symptomatic players, one of them who had it the worst. And he came, it really affected his conditioning when he came back. And, you know, it's been a tough thing to evaluate. You know, I've never covered a season quite like this. Um, you know, last year was obviously a unique season, but this is a completely different deal where these guys have tested positive, have gone through it with the virus and then come back to play and try to, you know, get up to speed against the best athletes in the world. So I think that's what you've seen. He doesn't have his legs. Legs are really important for shooting. Um, but lately he started to show, show the signs. I mean, he was five for six in one game from three, then nine for 11. Then the next night uh, he didn't start out well, but he made two big threes uh, in the fourth quarter. So I think they're starting to see Davis Bertans wake up. Certainly you're looking for more consistency moving forward. Do you think how Neto was the understated signing of the offseason, especially for a team like the Wizards? I think you could say that. Yeah. You know, when, when they signed him, uh, Tommy Shepard said, uh, you know, you need to look up his adjusted plus minus uh, in defense, which is a, a defensive metric uh, that in the last like three, four years, he's ranked as one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA. And, you know, I didn't really know how to evaluate it because obviously he wasn't the top point guard. He wasn't guarding the Steph Curry's and the James Harden's and the Russell Westbrook's. Um, he was uh, their third point guard, you know, playing 14 minutes a night. Um, but the Wizards have found a way to utilize him. And he's a pretty good offensive player. He's a decent shooter. Um, he's got pretty good instincts driving to the rim for his size. Um, and he just makes a lot of glue guy plays uh, that help you win games. So I like what Howell Neto has brought. And I think um, he was really good in the start of the year. Then he had that groin injury and he played through it and didn't play all that well. But now that he's healthy, you're starting to see the impact he can make. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another question for you. This is not even Wizards based here. How odd was it to see a coach get relieved after a game and a team already have another external candidate lined up for a multi-year deal in its, in, in its place? Like how odd was that? It, that's one of the strangest things I've seen uh, in the NBA or in sports when it comes to coaches. I mean, it's up there with, you know, Bill Belichick, uh, you know, I think he had a press conference with the New York Jets and then backed out of it. Right. Uh, you've seen things like that. Um, it, it was bizarre. And I think it was really unfair. You know, I saw Damian Lillard uh, tweet about how David Vanderpool should have gotten um, a, a shot as an interim head coach. And, and, you know, I don't know much about Vanderpool, but obviously there's a race element here where uh, African-American guys aren't getting the same opportunities as, as GMs and head coaches in, in certain cases. And whether that's part of it or not, someone on that staff should have gotten the chance, right? Whether it was Vanderpool and I looked him up, I don't know much about him, but his resume to me said, why wouldn't you give that guy a chance for the rest of the year? You're seven and 24 or whatever you are. Um, you know, why are you going outside and committing multiple years already? Why don't you see what you have on the staff? Give, give someone a chance. You know, you're, it's clearly going to be a rebuilding year for you. You just had a new GM take over. Um, you got Carl Anthony Towns and, and um, you know, you got D'Lo, but you just had the number one overall pick. Um, you know, take your lumps and see what you have. Maybe you have a guy on the staff that can turn it around. Um, I, I just don't see why you would go, you know, the grass is greener and try to find someone from another organization that quickly when you could have just waited till the end of the season to do the same exact move. What, theoretically, Chase, how long does it take to, to put that contract together. I mean, they, I mean, they had to have been working on it behind the scenes for, I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm, I guess what I'm asking, but at least a week, I'd guess. Right. I mean, it's not something. Yeah. That just, 
throw million dollar contracts together. Yeah, and Ryan Saunders coached that night. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that, that was such a disrespectful move. Like, I don't know how Ryan Saunders is, is seen around the league, but coaches, uh, executives, maybe even players, um, I, I would look at the Minnesota Timberwolves a little bit differently and their front office a little bit differently moving forward and keep that in the back of my mind if they ever want to, to make a pitch to me because how can you trust them? How can you trust them after that? Yeah. Yeah. What? There's no way that the assistant can stay, right? Yeah, I mean, that's another element. Like, you know, usually when you're hired from another organization, you're going to put together your own assistant staff. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a completely different system uh, that he's going to want to install. I would imagine you have to do it on the fly. Um, you know, he's, I'm sure that all the assistant coaches are going to feel a certain type of way about him just coming from out of nowhere to, to lead them. Um, the players might feel that way too. Uh, it's going to be a really unique situation that that coach is walking into where he's got to, he's got to earn trust and earn respect uh, very, very quickly without having been promoted as the assistant and having a relationship with these guys before he's got a relationship with the GM. Clearly that's what led to all this. Um, But he's walking into a really tough locker room. I would imagine um, where guys are going to be looking at him and, and probably not giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Before we let you out of here, Chase, I got to ask you, do you see this Wizards team at least making the play-in tournament for the playoffs? Definitely at this point, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say so? I mean, they're one game out of the play-in tournament. It's still the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think you're going to be able to get into the top eight seeds with a losing record by the end of the season. Uh, you know, the Sixers look great as the number one seed in the East, but they would be the fifth seed in the Western Conference right now. It's the Eastern Conference, and it has been ever since Michael Jordan retired from the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. I mean, as soon as he left the Chicago Bulls, the Western Conference has been better, and it's set up to be better for a long, long time. I mean, they keep getting the top draft picks, right? John Moran, uh, Zion Williamson uh, this past year, Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman. Um, the Eastern Conference is it's just easier to get into the playoffs, and that's not to diminish what the Wizards have done or what they're capable of, but – um, after winning five straight, I mean, they look like one of the teams you don't want to play. And I don't, you know, maybe they're peaking too early. Maybe the injury bug will hit them. You never know, knock on wood. Um, but I think they certainly have enough talent to get into the playoffs. And it'll just be a matter of how far out of the hole that they dug can they dig themselves? You know, can they get a middle seat in the conference? Is it too late? There's still, you know, six games under 500. You're probably going to have to be well above 500 to, to really get a, a good seed. Uh, in the East and avoid that playing tournament on the other end, you know, where you got to play one of those teams um, early on. So um, yeah, I think the Wizards will make the playoffs. It's just a matter of uh, what seed and, and whether they can actually make the playoffs and not just the play in tournament. Absolutely. Chase, we thank you for your time today, as always. Absolutely, man. We'll have to do it again. Yes, indeed. Enjoy the game tonight. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about uh, the connection there, guys. Ah, no problem. Technology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Good talking to y'all. All right. All right. Thanks, Jason.